Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Well, yesterday, the Federal Reserve finally met market expectations and actually did increase interest rates to 0.25 percent. Actually, the official rate was zero to 0.25. And now the official rate is 0.25 to 0.5. And, you know, by the way, the actual rate has always been somewhere in the middle of the zero to 0.25. It was not exactly zero. And assuming the Fed tries to keep rates closer to the 0.25 than the 0.5, the actual increase in short-term rates could be less than 25 basis points. It may only end up being 10 or 15 basis points. And in fact, that may be what the Fed does. But of course, the initial reaction uh, to this rate hike was, okay, this is the end of cheap money. The era of cheap money is over. Even Janet Yellen herself mentions that, you know, this is the end of cheap money. 0.25 is still cheap money. I mean, interest rates are still a quarter of the low that they went to under Alan Greenspan. He only brought them down to 1%. That was as low as he dared go. And he left them there too long for about a year and a half before he started to raise them. So we would have to raise rates several more times to get up to the low level uh, that Greenspan reduced them to. And that was the level that was low enough to give us the housing bubble and the ensuing financial crisis. So I've said many, many times, if you thought that was bad, wait till you see what's in store for us now, because the Fed has been much easier and much more reckless than it was then. And the consequences of that reckless monetary policy are going to be much greater than were the consequences the last time around. But, you know, a lot of people are taking an opportunity to say, oh, you know, Peter Schiff was wrong because he said the Fed would not raise interest rates and they did. And therefore, Peter Schiff is wrong. Well, first of all, most people have been saying the Fed was going to raise interest rates all year long. At the end of last year, People were looking for rate increases in March. Some were looking in June. 
Very few people, if anybody, thought the Fed would wait all the way until December to raise rates. And in fact, even when they didn't raise rates in March, it was June and then it was September. So I think I was a lot more right in saying they wouldn't raise rates at all than the people who expected them to raise rates a lot sooner because they, they were looking for two or three rate hikes by now. People thought they would start raising in March and by now rates would be 75 basis points or a full percent. I think I was a lot closer to getting it right by saying they wouldn't raise them at all. And they basically got one hike in under the gun. We had two weeks left in the year and they raised interest rates by the smallest amount they could possibly do it. And if the Fed really were data dependent, they always said they were data dependent. And if they actually looked at the data, they would not have raised rates. And that was part of the reason that I thought that they wouldn't is because I knew the data was going to get worse and that I thought that that data might scare the Fed, even if they were considering a rate hike, uh, would, would get them not to do it. But I think what happened is that the dialogue changed. And I, I started talking about this uh, after the Fed's last press conference when, for the first time, I believed that it was more likely than not that the Fed was actually going to do a symbolic rate hike. So when they when they hiked rates, I was not surprised. I mean, not, by then, I was expecting it, although I didn't think it was a sure thing. I still thought there was a possibility that the Fed would not hike. And I do believe that they're going to regret this decision. But I knew it was possible. But just because the Fed raised rates doesn't invalidate what I've been saying all year long. In fact, I think the only reason they did raise rates is because they were afraid of what would happen if they didn't. Everybody was so convinced that if the Fed didn't raise rates, it would show that the Fed had no confidence in the economy. And what do they know that we don't know? And it would have spooked the market if they didn't live up to the expectations of a rate hike, especially since Janet Yellen had gone out of her way to reassure the markets, don't worry, even if we raise rates, that doesn't mean we're going to raise them again anytime soon. We're going to go very slowly. So Yellen tried to take the sting out of the hike, have her rate hike cake and, and eat it too. So ultimately, I think the Fed felt that even though the data didn't justify it, that they had to raise rates because they were afraid of the psychological damage. In other words, to prove that they were confident in the economy, they had to raise rates, even though the economic data would argue uh, against it. But I think they're hoping to send this message. In fact, if you listen to press conference, she actually said this rate hike is to show confidence in the market. She actually admitted that this was a gesture hoping to instill confidence. Well, you know, if the economy really was sound, we don't need Janet Yellen to create a sense of confidence. A strong economy creates its own confidence. We don't need propaganda from the government by way of, uh, you know, a symbolic rate hike that says, aha, you see, see, the Fed wouldn't be raising rates if uh, the economy were weak. Well, look, they were raising rates right up until the 2008 financial crisis. They didn't know that was coming. And in fact, Janet Yellen and her cronies at the Federal Reserve in mid-2008 still did not have a recession in their forecast for either 2008 or 2009. And they were already in the Great Recession when they were making those forecasts because the Great Recession began in December of 2007, yet the Fed did not know it. So who cares if the Federal Reserve is confident or not. In fact, I mentioned on an earlier podcast that Ben Bernanke admitted in a radio interview that 
he was speaking as a uh, as a, as a, as an administrative official, as a member of the administration. And you know Janet Yellen feels that she's part of the Obama administration. And, and therefore, she is going to try to create a sense of confidence. And if that means raising interest rates, even though based on her own objective criteria, she shouldn't have raised them, but not raising them would prove that the economy was weak and she doesn't want to do that. So she raised them anyway. And that's exactly what happened. But does it mean we're going to get more rate hikes in the future? Now, the Federal Reserve is still pretending that that's what's going to happen. If you look at uh, what Janet Yellen said, the Fed is forecasting that they will increase interest rates four more times next year by by 25 basis points each time. And that would be another one percent uh, hike in interest rates. Now, I think all of that is about pretending that she believes that the economy is actually strong enough to withstand all those rate hikes. And it's not. And believe me, she didn't wait until December to pull the trigger for no reason. Obviously, she didn't wait until the economic data was the weakest it's been all year in order to raise rates. And remember, when she didn't raise rates in September, she cited a whole litany of reasons why she didn't do it. Well, all those reasons have gotten worse. There is so much more tension in the global economy and there's so much more problems in the U.S. economy than there was in September. Things have gotten a lot worse very fast. Yet for some reason now, the uh, the data supports a rate hike. But in September, it didn't, even though the data in September was better than the data we have now. In fact, the ultimate irony is probably the data that came out on the morning of the rate hike. We got industrial production. Listen to how bad this number was. They were forecasting a drop of 0.2, which is still bad, right? That would be the same drop that we got the prior month. Instead, we got a drop of 0.6, which was triple what they were anticipating. And uh, this was the biggest drop in three and a half years in in that number. But also, they revised last month from down 0.2 to down 0.4. So they doubled the decline. And now we declined more than expected from a lower level. So minus 0.6 is bigger when it's coming off of minus 0.4 than it would have been if it was coming off minus 0.2. So that was very, very weak numbers. And, and, and beneath the surface, if you look at some of the numbers, they're the weakest in six years, the new orders, the, the hiring, you know, the jobs component. And then we got the PMI manufacturing index. This was the lowest uh, in many, many years. I think it was what, four or five year low in, in this index. It came in at 51.3, down from 52.6. The consensus was for an increase to 52.8. Instead, we went down to 52.6. So another really bad number. And by the way, too, in the industrial production numbers, the capacity utilization went down from 77.5 to 77 even. I mean, that is a big number. I mean, all these numbers show an economy that is rapidly slowing down, decelerating. So why would you step on the brake? If you're a Keynesian, which Janet Yellen is, and you actually believe in this nonsense, the monetary prescription for what the patient obviously has would be stimulus, would be a cut in interest rates, not an increase in interest rates. And then again today, we got more bad news. Look at the uh, Philadelphia Fed, Philly Fed, Last month, we fought, we got an increase. We've been getting a lot of decreases, but last month, it was up 1.9. So they thought we'd have another increase of 1.2. Nope, we dropped 5.9. 
we're down at the lowest level in a couple of years or close to on the Philly Fed. All of these numbers are looking horrible. And by the way, if you look at a chart, I mean, we're about to crash even lower. I mean, these numbers are flashing recession, recession, recession. And I'm not the only one seeing it. There's a lot of mainstream guys now that are predicting a recession in uh, 2016. So I'm not the only one saying it. And if there is a recession in 2016, what is the chance that any of these promised rate hikes are actually going to be delivered? Practically zero. If they waited all year to give us the first 25 bips, why are they going to hurry up and give us another 25 basis points in March? Why would they do that? Especially since the markets and the economy are going to get a lot weaker, a lot faster because of this rate hike. Now, of course, the air was coming out of this bubble anyway. All she did is make the hole a little wider so the air can come out quicker. Now, I do believe that because the stock market had rallied, you know, the day before uh, the rate hikes, that the market was kind of blessing the weight hike. And so the Fed felt confident. And remember I said in my, other po- my earlier podcast that that would be a mistake for the Fed if they interpreted a small rally as some kind of green light to go ahead and raise rates because the market could tank. And in fact, after rallying yesterday, the market closed down, down about 250 points on the low of the day. In fact, at least 100 of those points probably happened in the last half hour, maybe even the last 15 minutes. And the transports, of course, have been the weakest of all. Uh, and this is the most uh, you know, economic sensitive. Despite oil prices at $35, $36 a barrel, the Dow transports are leading the way down. And of course, we continue to see weakness in the high-yield bond market as the air is coming out of that bubble as well. So it's very probable that this stock market carnage is going to get a lot worse between now and the time the Fed is supposed to hike rates again. But the problem for the Fed is if the market starts to tank now, They can't do anything. They can't cut rates. They can't even hint at a rate cut. They have to wait now for more bad economic data to come out. And it probably can't be just more manufacturing data because they ignored that all along. They're going to have to wait for jobs numbers to be bad. And, you know, that could be a few more months. Who knows how long it's going to take before the jobs numbers really get bad. I mean, they're going to get bad. I think the layoffs are going to be huge and we're going to see a big increase in unemployment and some big negative prints in the non-farm payrolls. But that might not happen for a few more months. Meanwhile, what if the stock market is tanking? The Fed's not going to do anything. And in fact, because the market is going to believe the Fed is basically neutered here, they can't hike rates and then immediately start cutting them. So, the market really could really collapse here. I mean, it could go down quite a bit uh, before the Fed actually comes back to its rescue. Uh, and of course, they can't look like they're rescuing the stock market. Then it'll be too obvious. So they have to wait until the data bleeds into uh, the jobs numbers because that's the only numbers that they've been looking at. And you know, one of the things I thought was so ridiculous about Janet Yellen's comments is that she actually tried to pretend that they were ahead of the curve. She said that, you know, we, we Janet Yellen said that, we, don't want to, we didn't want to wait too long before we raised interest rates, as if there were some people that were saying, don't do it yet because it's too soon. And the Federal Reserve says, no, 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 we don't want to, don't want to be too late to the party here or in the party. We, you know, we want to be preemptive. We want to be ahead of the curve. Talk about you know, closing the, uh, the barn door after the horses ha- have left. I mean, they should have raised rates years ago. I mean, they, I mean, first of all, they never should have cut them. But to say that they're 
early by moving now? Now, what she said is if they waited too much longer, she thought that the Fed would overshoot on its objectives, which, of course, is ridiculous. She mentioned three objectives that she was worried, worried about would overshoot. One was unemployment, meaning that if the Fed didn't raise rates, the unemployment rate might get too low. How could it get too low? Right. And especially with so many people out of the labor market, she's worried about the economy creating too many jobs. Yes, we better hurry up and raise rates. Otherwise, we might get too many jobs created. I mean, is the Fed really worried about that with all these people working part time? Right. The labor force participation rate as low as it is. How is it a problem if we create too many jobs? I mean, obviously, you know, she's talking about the Phillips curve, which is this discredited Keynesian theory that too much employment creates inflation, which is nonsense. People employed productively doesn't create inflation. If anything, it leads to greater production and it helps keep prices low because you have more things to buy. So that is nonsense that she was worried about, you know, low interest rates creating too much employment. Then she said we might overshoot on GDP, meaning that if the Fed didn't move, the GDP might be too strong. Was she really worried? Yeah, we better raise rates now because if we don't, GDP could be 5% or something like that. I mean, GDP is not even going to be 2% this year. And Janet Yellen is saying she was worried that if she didn't raise rates, the GDP could be too high. I mean, meanwhile, all the evidence says that we're going into recession. We're going to have negative GDP. But of course, GDP can't be too high. Again, that's the whole Keynesian idea that in that growth creates inflation, that economic growth and prosperity is what leads to a rising cost of living. It doesn't. It leads to a falling cost of living. The only thing that she said that was in a way accurate, she said, if we waited too long, we might overshoot on our inflation target, right? That 2%. Now there she's going to overshoot big time. She's going to overshoot. She's already waited way too long. Inflation is going to be a lot more than 2%, but the Fed's not going to do anything about it because what's going to happen is the economy is going to tank into recession. Unemployment is going to spike, and they're going to go back to the well on QE. And I think this time they're going to take rates negative. In fact, Yellen let the, the cat out of the bag by hinting or talking about the fact that they have been looking and studying negative interest rates, meaning that's what they're going to do the next time around. Because if the next recession starts and interest rates are just 25 basis points or 50 basis points, reducing them to zero, you're not going to get a lot of bang for that buck, right? So they're going to have to go negative. And yes, they're going to go uh, with a big QE program, bigger than before. Because remember what Paul Krugman always said? He always said we didn't do enough quantitative easing. And you know what? He's going to claim he was right. When we're right back in recession, Paul Krugman is going to be saying, I told you so. I told you it wasn't enough stimulus. We didn't print enough money. We didn't buy enough bonds. We didn't spend enough money. We need to do it bigger next time, right? We we didn't quite get escape velocity. We didn't just put enough rocket fuel right in that rocket ship and we didn't quite escape we came back down to earth so now we need more we need bigger qe and you know what that's what they're going to do because they can't admit the opposite is true right that peter schiff was right and they never should have done qe at all they never should have lowered interest rates that the fed is the source of our problems not the solution to our problems so they are going to go all in on, on quantitative easing. And, you know, by the way, one of the things I've been talking about, you know, on some of the media appearances I've made is the significance of this, this rate hike. Because normally, and I keep saying this because people keep talking about, well, they, they want to figure out what's going to happen now that the Fed is raising rates. 
So they go back and look at previous economic cycles where the Fed began raising rates. And they look back and said, well, what happens? What normally happens when the Fed begins a tightening cycle? And how, how, does, the, you know, how does the market react? How does the economy react? Right? Well, none of that makes any sense because there's never been a cycle like this one. We've never had interest rates at zero for seven years or anything close to that for anywhere no, nor near that length of time. I mean, this recovery is seven years old. Most of them don't even last seven years. Yet the Fed didn't raise interest rates until seven years in. See, normally when the Fed starts raising rates, it's earlier in the recovery. So the economy has a lot more momentum because it's just you know emerged from recession. So you've got all this power. You've got all this pent-up demand, right, from the recession. So you don't really have strong GDP growth. And unemployment is still probably high. It's starting to come down, but it's still high because unemployment comes down as the recovery uh, progresses. But it's normally pretty high when the recovery ends. It's low when the recession starts because the, un- the people lose their job during the recession. They don't lose their jobs before uh, the recession. So this time, the Fed waited so long to raise rates, that the recovery is basically over. And we're already starting the next down leg. Yet the Fed has never raised interest rates back to a level where they can start reducing them again. And so if you're looking at the economy, see if normally the Fed is raising rates into a strengthening economy, now they're raising rates into an already weakening economy. So going back in time and saying, well, how did the market react and the economy react when the Fed was trying to lean against a strong economy that was growing compared to today, the economy is, is weakening and the Fed is pushing it weaker. The Fed is, you know, just adding weights as it's sinking, right? It's not, it, it, so it's a very different situation that is without precedent. And I don't know why people can't understand this distinction and differentiate between the types of re- recessions and recoveries that we've had in the past and, and what is going on now. And of course, The last time we had a recession, the 2001 recession, the Fed did wait about three years before it started raising rates. It didn't rate seven. And of course, it never got as low as zero. It only got to one. But that extra elongated time period is what really provided the fuel to the the housing bubble. And then when they did raise rates, they did it very slowly. And then we ended up with a financial crisis. Well, this one is off the charts. You know, if you compare the recklessness of the Yellen approach to what happened under Alan Greenspan, this is a much bigger deal. And so how people can be so complacent and say, well, you know, everything was okay when they raised rates in the past. <laughs> you know, this is a different uh, situation now. And of course, people are talking about the fact that Janet Yellen promised uh, that the rate hikes would be slow. And that's supposed to uh, make the markets feel good. I, I don't think they did a good enough job there. I think if the Fed is telling the markets that they're going to raise rates four times in the next year, I don't care how much she wants to define that as slow. I think that's too fast. I think that's way too fast a pace. And if the markets actually think that that's what's coming, again, this 250-point drop that we got today uh, you know, is just the beginning of a much, much bigger decline. Now, also, 
the dollar had a delay reaction too. The dollar was up strongly today. Although, you know, the euro didn't make new lows. Uh, I think the Canadian dollar is on a new low. That was the only currency I think made a new low, and that's very uh, sensitive to oil. But other currencies did drop, but they're not at 52-week lows. Gold also dropped. It was up yesterday. It was up about, I don't know, 10, 15 bucks, although most of those gains happened before the rate hike. And so by the time the Fed hiked rates, I think gold was, you know, bounced around a little bit, but it was around the same level. But it was down about 20 bucks today. And so really, are, we're right back down to the lows uh, of the year that we were at. We were at a few weeks ago, and then we had that big rally. And so now we're, we're right back down to those same levels. So gold hasn't, you know, hasn't free fall. In fact, we're, you know, we're at 1051, 1052. We got down to 1045 uh, what a few weeks ago was the low. So we haven't even gotten down just to that level. I think this morning I did see gold uh, get below 1050 again. But, you know, we haven't made a new low. And there are a lot of people that are thinking, oh, you know, gold's going to get killed when the Fed raises rates. Well, it hasn't really happened yet. Yeah, it was down today, but it's still holding this 1050 level. Uh, silver was down big today, but it was up almost as big yesterday. So if you take the two days combined, it was a volatile up and down, uh, but it was relatively unchanged. We'll see what happens, though, as the, the days and weeks progress, because I do believe that the vast majority of dollar upside and gold downside is already in the markets and that the markets are going to start perceiving sooner rather than later that we're not going to get nearly as many rate hikes as people believe for two reasons. One, the stock market is going to be coming under a lot of pressure. And again, not just the stock market, the bond market, in, in particular, the high-yield bond market. Investors are going to be losing a lot of money. And so that is going to make the Fed nervous for a number of reasons. One, uh, the weakness in the market will be an indicator of a potential recession, another indicator, as if we don't have enough indicators already, leading indicators of recession. Also, the reverse wealth effect. As people start to see the value of their portfolios go down, will they have less money to spend? Spending is already under pressure. That's why this Christmas season is likely to be the worst uh, since the 08 uh, recession. And by the way, I didn't even mention, we got the current account numbers that came out for the quarter. Uh, they came out today. Now, the current account deficit for the third quarter came out at minus $124.1 billion. That is the biggest quarterly deficit since, I think, the second quarter of 2008, just before the financial crisis brought it down, because, you know, then we were too broke to, to buy things. And, of course, the current account is a combination of our trade flows and our investment flows. And when interest rates start to go up, that is going to balloon the current account deficit, because that means the cost of servicing our overseas debt is going to go up. And this is a huge concern. And by the way, they revised down the prior month. The prior month was originally reported as $109.7 billion, and we revised it upward to $111.1 billion. Uh, so this is some terrible numbers coming on our current account on top of all these other numbers. So when you have weakness in the financial markets and then you have growing weakness in the economy, corporate earnings are under pressure, their revenues are under pressure, the next thing that's going to give is their, their payroll, right? I mean, they hired all these people that they really shouldn't have hired. It was a mistake. And the Federal Reserve said, oh, look at all this hiring. Oh, that means I could raise interest rates. Well, the, the hiring was a mistake. They're going to solve that mistake 
by firing a lot of the people they never should have hired in the first place because they don't need them. Just like the inventory. All that GDP build was companies buying inventory that is now gathering dust on the shelves because their customers are too broke to actually afford it. And so we're going to have the inventory liquidation and we're going to have the employee. We have a surplus of workers. There's a big inventory of, of workers that employers don't need and can't afford. And so the pink slips are going to start coming out. And, you know, usually you don't fire people around Christmas time. You don't want to. That's not the kind of Christmas present. You don't want to put a pink slip in their in their stocking. But in the first of the year, companies are going to be reassessing uh, the damage and they're going to be trying uh, to hunker down and try to minimize their their expenses and their overhead. And laying off people is going to be the easy way to do it. And so then, you know, you're going to have the, the, the fear of the economy, the weakening economy on top of the weakening markets. So how can the Fed react to that? What can the Fed do? So at some point, everyone's going to know that the Fed's not going to raise rates, even if they want to continue pretending that they're thinking about it. It's going to be obvious that they're not. And I think that you're going to see the big unwind, right? The most crowded trade out there is long the dollar because everybody knew that this rate hike was coming, right? That's all everybody ever talked about was the Fed's going to hike rates, the Fed's going to hike rates. Oh, and when the Fed hikes rates, the dollar's going to go up. So everybody crowded into the dollar looking to profit from this trade. So everybody is there. Everybody is in the dollar looking to profit. They got to take the profits. They got to get out. Who's going to take the other side of that trade? You got this, You got the, the mirror image in the gold market. People being long the dollar, they're short gold. So I think these trades are going to blow up and the people who are short gold are going, to long, are going to lose. The people who are long the dollar are going to lose. And obviously, people who have been fading that trade, and I know it's been painful to have bet on the other side of that, are going, to be, are going to be paid. You know, when you are right, but everybody else is wrong, it's very difficult. But when everybody else is wrong and the markets are a function of, you know, buyers and sellers, if everybody is wrong and they're buying, well, the prices are going to be too high. Right, because it's the majority of what people are doing. Right, there's an old adage that in the short run, the markets are a voting machine. Right, because people vote, and if more people think something's going to go up, they're going to buy it. And so, the the market is going to reflect what people think. And and if a majority of people think one thing, then those expectations are going to be built into the prices. Uh, but in the long run, it's a weighing machine because it's not what people think that counts. It's it's the fundamentals. It's reality. And so eventually the markets are going to reflect not what people think, uh, but what actually happens. And that's what happened in the mortgage market, you know, the subprime market for a while. Everybody thought that uh, you know people could repay these loans and that there was no risk in holding the subprime paper and the way Wall Street had packaged it, uh, you know, insulated you from risk. I mean, people believed a bunch of things that was complete nonsense until all of a sudden they figured out that what they believed wasn't true. And then the whole market unraveled almost overnight and you couldn't give the paper away. It went from bit above par to basically worthless. That the actual nature of the security never changed. All that changed was the perception of what it was worth. And once people who believed it had value uh, recognized they had no value, then the party was over. So I think all the people that have believed the Fed, have believed that what the Fed has done has worked, has they've actually restored the economy to economic health, that they're actually going to be raising interest rates, that they're actually going to be shrinking their balance sheet, when they find out that they've been fooled again, this is just another gigantic bubble that they have mistaken for a legitimate recovery, that the Federal Reserve has not solved any of the problems. It's made them all worse. And again, 
The people that think the Fed solves the problems are the same people that didn't recognize the problems when they were there. And so if they didn't understand the problem, does it, you know, it certainly makes sense that they don't understand that they weren't solved. I knew what the problems were leading up to the financial crisis. That's how come I knew the financial crisis was coming. And I also know that everything the government has done since the financial crisis has made all of the problems that caused the financial crisis worse. And now we are on the precipice of a much greater crisis, and the Fed has inched us that much closer to the crisis, not only by raising interest rates by 25 basis points, even though their own data would have suggested to stay at zero, but by hinting that more rate hikes are coming next year. Attention listeners, I have an urgent message for you. We're in the middle of a war. The global conflict is destroying the lives of millions without a single bomb being dropped. It's called the International Currency War, and your bank account has been drafted to fight. The victims in this conflict are our currencies, the dollar, the euro, the yen, the pound. They're all heading to zero as irresponsible central banks compete to see who can print the most the fastest. But there's one form of money politicians and central banks can't destroy, gold. Today, it's more important than ever to understand the value of gold in your portfolio and to keep a close eye on major market developments. Subscribe to my monthly video cast and you'll be the first to hear my latest analysis on gold investing and the currency wars. Visit goldvideocast.com right now to subscribe for free. I call the dot-com bust, then the housing bust, and I advise clients to diversify into foreign equities and hard assets while the rest of Wall Street laughed at me. Now I want to keep you up to date on the next crisis that is brewing. My gold video cast also includes personal interviews I've conducted with other contrarian investors like Jim Rickards and Axel Merck. Gold has gone up 256% since 2003, but it has a lot further to go. Don't miss the rally. You can prosper during this time of currency wars, but only if you stay educated. Get a free subscription to my gold video cast at goldvideocast.com. That's goldvideocast.com. There's so much factually incorrect information and underreporting by legacy media today. Shouldn't there be truth in media? Well, there is truth in media. Recently, a novel thought is now a reality with truthinmedia.com. Led by award-winning journalist Ben Swan, truthinmedia.com is the source for uninfluenced, reliable, fearless news where journalists pursue real questions, not conspiracies. Make truthinmedia.com your default browser's homepage today and get breaking news and commentary that speaks the truth to power. It's also where you can tune into The Peter Schiff Show every week. Visit truthinmedia.com today. That's truthinmedia.com. Access the Truth in Media RS feed by visiting truthinmedia.com forward slash feed.